Well, hello, hello again. Welcome back to the Re-Education Experience, a modern realtor's playbook. Today's podcast uh, is again another solo episode with myself, but it's something a little different. Running this brokerage, uh, Redline Real Estate Group in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, I get the honor and the opportunity to speak with dozens and dozens of agents week after week after week. My job here as CEO is uh, in, in, in big part coaching and educating our realtors and pointing them in the right direction based on what they're trying to do in their career. So I get a lot of questions around what I want to tackle today, which is what would you do, Darren? So today I actually just pulled together five questions just from last week alone where people were asking and sat down about what would you do? What should I do, right? So when I answer that question, what should I do, Darren? It's uh, different for each agent. And of course, I would answer it differently from my experience and the way I run my business as I coach these agents. So as you hear these answers, of course, doesn't mean it's the holy grail and you're supposed to just take it and run. But if any of these topics line up with you, maybe my perspective today on what I would do if I were in this scenario might help you out to tweak what you're doing, to enhance, or maybe as we are, again, business planning at this time of the year, provide a bit of a, another element to add to what you're already doing. Okay, well, let's dive into this solo sode, but what would I do? The first question, uh, this is one that came up last week. It was, I've got a luxury listing opportunity for uh, an incredible property and I'm going to pitch it. Now, the market is difficult, in our market anyways, luxury homes, uh, especially this one, would be a difficult sell. Many people may consider turning down this listing. So the question was, I've got this amazing opportunity. It's a luxury listing. I've got some incredible ideas. But I also have to be considerate of the cost, my energy. So what would you do in this situation? And this was a really great question because um, looking a little deeper, it may not be an easy sell. It actually won't be an easy sell. There is gonna have to be capital and energy put into this to find the right fit buyer. Now, many of you listening around the globe or North America, uh, your markets are performing differently than ours. Ours has been difficult for six years while the rest of the world has been pretty darn good. But I, this actually pulled me back to as I got into luxury in the first place. My first couple luxury listings um, were completely out of left field in a sense that my average price point leading up until my first luxury listing, and, and I'm saying luxury being a million dollars plus, uh, my average sale price was in the 500,000s. So the opportunity to work for something like that, one of those big, large commission checks was foreign to me. Um, so I was gonna do everything in my power to do it. This was back in 2013, uh, and I was being coached uh, under the Tom Ferry organization. All around me were people from Orange County, Miami, New York, pushing huge commission checks and incredible luxury properties. And that was the dawn of the initial uh, 
property film, lifestyle films, and there was only a handful of people doing that. So I was salivating to be able to take these kind of coastal city strategies and bring them up to Calgary. And I did. Uh, and it was that moment in time that I invested into a luxury listing that I knew was going to be a difficult sell. It hadn't sold before. Uh, and I dove all in. Back in those times, handling a professional videographer, uh, Mike, all the setup required was very expensive. I think that first video I shot was somewhere around $2,200 between uh, the video, the time, the editing, to pull off the storyline that I wanted to achieve. It was expensive. And back then, again, I wasn't used to that price point. So the advice I gave to this agent is, I went all in. Did you want to show off your flair? What do you want to do with your career? Do you like to be creative? Do you like to show that you can play in this larger sandbox, this luxury sandbox? And if any of those answers are yes, then the answer should be yes, go all in. The reason I say that is even till today, I can pull up and reference some of those first luxury videos that I shot well advanced of being quote unquote in the luxury price points myself as an agent. I didn't know the depth to which I had to learn the high-end details yet. I was still in a price point that you just wouldn't have to show up, but I went all in. I went all in and then my team benefited from it eventually because we were showcasing that we do know how to market and eventually sell really high-end properties. So the, the question, should I go into it knowing this will be difficult? When the answer was, I've got some incredible ideas. I know I can show off what I can do. And if I do this well, I'll also sell the home. And my answer was, yes, I back you 100%. The cost will sting a little bit, but what better marketing cost would, would you have than spending it on you and showing the world something that most people couldn't pull off? So if this was me and I was even in a difficult market and uh, I was worried about the cost to invest into an incredible listing where I can then monetize and control the, the, the deliverability of all the downline marketing assets that can get created using incredible video channels, social media channels have grown so much to showcase this is me, this is me and my business. So that's question one, what would I do? The answer is yes, I'd do it again, I'd do it again. I kind of do it on every listing that I take now too because I go all in and I want to show my agents that there's a reason I do that because there's a trickle down benefit every single time. All right, okay, what was the other question I wrote down? Oh yes, number two, this one's a little different. What, again, this came up last week, what would you do if you were starting a farm, a geographic farm. Again, I get a ton of agents that want to dive into their community and they wanna figure out how do I get some momentum to get some, some uh, eyeball share, some awareness share into this community that I'm looking to do business in. And when I started a series of different farms, I actually did it a couple different ways, but I do know, again, if. I was going back in and I was going to start a farm. These are the things that come to mind. First of all, start a farm that you 
are willing to attack the streets with your presence, start a farm that you are willing to attack the mailbox with your expense line, and then the combination thereof will be what uh, brings you to, uh, to the goals you're trying to achieve, which is that better market share. So if I was starting a farm today, um, and it was one, there's a few strategies here. The, in able to strike up a farm and to buck the trend, which it can take a while to get momentum. A lot of people, a lot of coaches will say budget an entire year with your postcards. They'll say an entire year, twice a month, even maybe three times a month. Budget for that before you will see a return on your investment. Now, I saw it differently. I saw it differently and I proved differently. Now, I'll caveat this, you have to put in the work. So if I were starting a farm today, I would pick one somewhere around 500 houses. I wouldn't go 1,000 to 2,000 because to me that's a little bit more than I could take on to do the strategy I'm just about to roll out. 500 houses so that on at least every quarter you can personally make it to all of the homes to just say hi, to just knock them and be there every single quarter and you build up that frequency at the door. The second thing, 500 homes, is also something that's reasonable on the budget to deliver at least a monthly postcard and I would suggest a, a, a more of a market update at least an eight and a half by 11 times two. And if you're gonna do that monthly and you're gonna get on the streets quarterly, you're going to have a, a much better chance than just the spray and pray approach, which would might be postcard after postcard. And it just kind of goes in with the junk stuff that everybody else is. I would pick something a little larger. I might send it a little less frequent than a lot of the coaches say, and I would get boots on the ground efforts in front. The conversations you have at the door are incredible. I know I've taken agents from my team back in those days to the streets for the first time or appointed new agents and experienced agents all along the way these last few years, the scare factor about being at the front door goes away really quickly. You realize people are there and they want to talk real estate. Our whole job is trying to speak with as many people about our given sales strategies and what we sell, which is real estate. So what better opportunity than in a community that you've researched, that you know a thing or two about, and by the way, you're already showing up into their mailboxes. Now again, if I were starting a farm, like I said to this agent last week, I would go further than that. Not only would I spend the money on the enhanced newsletter that provides value and not just a card, I would get on the streets, yes, but I would also find my way into the community newsletter. Some of them are, um, more expensive than others, but a lot of these communities have a more of a grassroots roots opportunity to get in and you can spend very little to have a full page ad. I did that and it worked incredibly well. Now and the last thing, you got to look around your office, whether it's you got a listing upcoming by luck in this community or you've got a sold or anybody else in your office that has had some successful buyer or some successful listing, 
that has come across and I would touch base with those agents to find out if they plan to monetize their efforts at all or if they're just doing what most agents do which is act transactionally they do the deal move on and I would jump on that opportunity to go share the success about either a buyer coming and I would hit the streets a seller that just sold I would hit the streets and I wouldn't act as if it's mine I would act as if, if, if it's ours the word we is important especially when you're trying to get going now even better would be if there's an open house at your brokerage in that community and again you would get out there and meet as many people at the door minimum a hundred people to go invite them to the open house be be present on the open houses and do this week after week after week now those are the things that I've done I went from zero never actually showing a house in this one community to 60% market share within two years because of my relentless efforts to get on the ground I had one open house with one listing I door knocked the whole community we open housed it of course you follow up like crazy you have great capture opportunities to get cards and phone numbers then when the house sells you get back on the streets you do the same thing over again in this case I was able to monetize that well enough did that enough to find another listing out of it and then when guess what when that hit the market I did it just sold I mean it just listed and I also walked the community I walked the community to create open house traffic I did the open house we sold the home I did the same thing but I layered that in with the print flyer marketing and the also the marketing that went in the community newsletter those are the things that I would do if I was starting a farm okay number three oh this is a good one and I didn't even prepare for these I just got these three wrote them down quickly because I knew they were in my calendar from last week what do you do to stay organized well this is a big one um, I have a personal YouTube channel just Darren Langell on YouTube and I did like eight videos I did one deep one on uh, calendar and stuff like that so dig into that but if I were just to, to give you a few tidbits on say how I better stay organized see my agents they see the output that I put on to lead them from a marketing perspective lead them through the coaching be present for them all the time and then I still maintain a reasonable volume of sales kind of on the side so they are aware of my ability to stay organized so I do get this question a lot a first thing that I would say is that you need to be incredibly disciplined around a routine that's steadfast and everybody in your world needs to know about it in my case I do a Sunday planning session sometimes it's in the morning sometimes it's in the evening my family knows about it my little kids my five-year-old knows about it they know it's daddy time and uh, my wife and everybody else knows about it. my whole office knows about my Sunday night uh, planning routine what this does to me is it gives me a chance to go back through last week and I go through all the things that happened right some of it was planned a lot of it as you would know I call it the whirlwind wasn't planned the Sundays I go through that first and I see what is there still undone and not just undone but undone maybe not even attempted and incredibly important for this week ahead oftentimes you'll see something is still front burner I for I carry that forward and I find a spot for it the second thing often that comes is something went through your calendar for the week and you realize you know what that probably wasn't that important there's a reason it didn't get done started thought about 
And sometimes I'll just shelf that and I'll push it to the side. Right? You find out, you say no, that's actually very freeing. So my Sunday night sessions, I get all my kids stuff, all of my gym, all my personal time, all the things I need to do for the family, all the hard and fast non-negotiables that the brokerage needs me for. I get that into the calendar. And then right then and there, I go back to my, my top three goals at the, at the given quarter. See, I run a 90-day calendar um, where there's 90-day cycles of goals um, that I'm looking to achieve. And there's always three major items that I filter all of my decisions through. On the Sunday, I go back to that. I remind myself of what are the things I'm trying to achieve so I don't get distracted and I can stay focused. And then I will find the elements, the business development elements, and I plug those into my calendar. I plug them into my digital calendar every time so it's on me, it moves, whether I'm on my Mac or I'm on my phone or my iPad, it doesn't matter, it changes. So I put it into my digital calendar and I time block. I generally time block one hour segments. In that one hour, um, about 55 minutes in, I take a break, I step aside, move from my desk and come back so that my brain can kind of reset. But I do this hard and fast. And then that's how I know that day in, day out, I have it done. I, I have to be, here's a good, I have to be, you have to be in integrity with yourself in order for a calendar system to work. If you're just putting things in for the sake of putting things in and they're not in full alignment with what you're trying to achieve, you won't achieve them. You'll let them be, you'll let them go, they'll sit undone. And I don't know how many agents it is that I keep talking to that they'll block it, but they'll never do it. And it's because two things, they're not self-disciplined, but one step before that is they haven't picked that item really for a reason that mattered enough. So when you're blocking your calendar and you're staying focused and those guys and girls that you hear about are dialed in, the reason they are is because they're in true alignment, their intentions, their mind and what they're trying to achieve are all lined up. They're not doing something because somebody told them to, they're doing something because they believe in it, they don't want to let themselves down, their goals down and their family down. And I think that's probably even more important than the system. So there you go. You get all those items in and then at the end there's some extra things in my calendar that where there's empty spots. Sometimes I'll just leave those empty because I do have to be available for my agents for them to block in. Um, but those are also times where I just might need more personal time myself. And if none of that, then I will actually, based on the Sunday and how much energy I have and whether I ha what I have coming forward, I'll go and block other times in the week to go chase uh, one of my projects a little further down the thing. So that's how I stay organized. Throughout the day, as changes happen, they go right to my calendar first. If I don't, I am absolutely screwed. And again, notebooks are great. I'm looking at one right now. Um, but I have to go right to the, to the calendar that I know will auto-sync to everything. Because if I don't, it will be forgotten that it's in there and big things, bad things will happen. Well, I'll be double booked, I'll forget to book, and onward. So you'll need to find something that is visible across all platforms, no matter where you are, and you don't have to reference something that's stuck inside your backpack, that's in your car, that's left at the gym or at the office. Make sure you've got it, and that's where the digital age comes in. Okay, three questions, that's it. Holy, 20 minutes. This is already my longest podcast. I think what I'll do is I've got time for one more, knowing that this is a new segment. Ooh, 
what would I spend money on online right now? If I was growing my personal sales business, this came from one of my agents. If I was growing my personal sales business, where would you put your money, Darren? Knowing all you know about growing your business, your teams, and then of course the contacts coming from that agent helps as well. But if I were spending money online, and at this time of the year, in the pandemic, which we are, we're all very mindful of our costs. So this agent, like many of us, doesn't have an infinite budget. And we can't just throw money at it and throw money and see how it goes. In this case, we had to be budget conscious. And if I was going to answer this question, being budget conscious about where would I spend money online, I know the first thing I wouldn't do would be to direct my money to completely cold leads. What I would do, knowing what we can achieve with our platforms like Google and Facebook, is where are the biggest revenue streams for almost every agent on the planet? It's Sphere, database, referrals, past clients. Even if you're the techiest agent and you've got the best website and you do online leans like crazy, when you, when you unpack this, most people's best earnings come from Sphere and Database. So what I would do is I would use Facebook custom lists and I would use Google custom lists. And I would take my entire database of all of my past clients, every friend that I know, anybody that has an email address, and I would upload them both into Facebook, into Google, and I would target a series of ads in our case at Redline, we do a ton of marketing. We've got a ton of great branded assets that our agents can use. And I would put my just listeds, my videos, my just solds, my testimonials, the unique things that my company comes up with for marketing to fill my feed. And I would pump that custom Facebook audience and Google audience list with uh, a budget. Now, if you're like most, I mean, you're pr this, if you're listening, you're probably somewhere between 100 people on your email list to say, I'd say 2,000. If you're a team leader listening and you've got 10 and 15,000, well shoot, put them all in too. Those Facebook and Google custom lists, it won't take you much of a budget to get that message to them. And guess what? They just see it as an image. They don't know that you're just marketing it to them and your $5 a day budget, I promise you will get seen by a lot of people. So that would be, if I were to spend money online, I would go after that group of people before I would up my boomtown ad spend, or if you're on Commissions Inc, or your real estate masters, or anything else where you're running online leads, I would do this first to double, triple, quadruple down on the brand awareness to my past clients, my database, and maybe even expand that to some look-alike audience where it might go a little bit farther because my money would be incredibly well spent. You will look like the rock star in your database um, well beyond anybody else that they may also know is in this business. All right, well that is it for today. The first series on the re-education uh, experience where I would just answer the agent's questions that have come up this week. What would I do? Now I know what would I do is different than what you may do, but at least now you got a little inside look into 
these four major topics. If there's something that you would like me to answer, now that you've heard this segment, uh, please message me, shoot me a message, hit me up on Insta, in, at Darren Langell, find me on Facebook, or even email me in Darren at redlinerealestate.ca, and I'd love to answer these kind of rapid fire style questions. Thanks again for watching the re-education experience of modern realtors playbook.